Today's episode is brought to you by Batch Leads. Receive 5,000 property records for free. Go to batchleads.io forward slash Dave or use code Dave when signing up. For using this special offer, you will receive a seven-day free trial to check out the system for yourself. You will also receive 5,000 property records included for free. Within this system, you can skip trace your leads, stack your list, cold SMS your motivated seller leads, and send direct mail directly from the platform. So head on over to batchleads.io forward slash Dave or use code Dave at checkout to receive 5,000 free property records plus a seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right. In this episode today, we are going to be talking about a deal that we just closed today, like 30 minutes ago. It just closed. And this is a case study about a fix and flip property we did. Yeah, this is a fun one, Dave, because this one, we were literally just like, how did we make that much money on this deal uh, with all this other stuff that happened? And we'll get into all that. And the moral of the story was, I mean, I think that the correct answer is we bought it right. We bought it at a great price. And instead of wholesaling it off, we said, let's go ahead and have the team fix and flip this one. And that's what we decided to do, right? That's right. But we bought it right. And that's really what made it. Such a good deal, I think. Oh, 100%. So, Dave, this one was really, I mean, you I know you personally just followed up and followed up and followed up with this guy. Um, and there, oh. was a, there was a couple of reasons for that, though, too, right? I mean, um, in addition to some title issues, uh, I think it was a lead you you had started working, right? Yeah, absolutely it was. So, let me pull it up here. On That's what I was just trying CRM. to do, too. And uh, let's actually kind of run through this in, in detail here. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Where uh, did the how lead... long ago? Yeah, where did it come from? All that type of good stuff here. Right. So first step, where did this lead come from? And I'm looking at uh, the our our CRM here, and it says that it came from uh, Google AdWords. Oh wow, we haven't done that in a while. So this this is an older lead, for sure. Let's see when we created the lead. Over a year ago. Over a year ago. So we created the lead April 4th. So that's that's probably, what, 15, 16 months ago? Mm-hmm. And it looks like it came in from AdWords. And it was the seller, which is so strange because he's older. And I'm yeah, really you wouldn't sub- expect that. You would not expect him. He was like 80 years old, so I would not ex- have expected him 
to come in that way via AdWords, but that's where the lead came from. So this is an AdWords lead. And he wrote, do you need to sell your house fast? Yes. What is your ultimate goal? Is, and his was just to sell the house. Um, what kind of repairs and maintenance does the house need? He said kitchens and baths need remodeling. How long have you owned the property? He said 25 years. And is there anyone living in the house? And he said, yes, it's owner-occupied. So that's the basic data that we collected from AdWords. From yeah, our, it's pretty cool, too, from to, our see, campaign. to mm-hmm. see all that information that we, we pulled just, yeah, just on day one before we even spoke to him, really. Which is awesome. I love that. So that's when the lead came in and how. So the lead source was AdWords, and it came in on April 4th of 2019 so that's over a year ago now we just finished the rehab so we didn't wholesale this one we actually bought it and fixed it up and sold it today we flipped it well it closed today closed today so we've we actually i mean we finished it probably i don't know i don't even know maybe a month or two ago i mean it was finished and then listed and then we'll get to that yeah we'll get to that okay so he we called and left him a message, so I'm going to go through each step because I really want to highlight the follow-up and the time frame it took to get this deal. So April 4th was when the lead came in. So 4-4, right? And then we called and left him a message April 4th, and then he didn't answer. We then followed up April 18th. So that's about 12 days later with another call, left a message. Then April 26, so roughly another eight or nine days later, I called and I spoke to Robert. And I set up an appointment to view it at Monday at 8 a.m. So from the initial time the lead came in to the time that we got an appointment was almost three weeks. And that happens sometimes, guys. You got to keep following up. Follow up is the key to this business. So then I set the appointment. That happened on April 26th. So then I ran the appointment on April 29th. So 429. So three days later, I went out and I ran the appointment. And here is my notes. I'm going to read the notes to you guys. I said, uh, Bob is a nice guy. He has lived in the property for 24 years. He does not want his neighbors to know his business. So he is looking to sell the home fast as is for cash. So he didn't want a real estate agent listing the house and having a sign in the yard and it being all over the internet. That was his motivation. It wasn't that this house was falling apart or that he couldn't keep up with the taxes or the, the mortgage or any of that. His motivation was he didn't want his neighbors to know. Motivation comes in all sizes and shapes, guys. Next, I wrote, he has a mortgage on the property. I verbally offered him 180 k and told him I would put the offer in the mail, snail mail, as well as send him the offer via email. So I did both. 
So pro tip, do both. Send it as many ways as you possibly can. Get the offer to them. Okay? Next I wrote, he is pretty old and he wants to move to the Lake of the Ozarks. The property needs about 30 to 40 grand to update everything. And eh, 30 to 40 was our spread at the time. It is super clean and has an ARV around 290K. So at the time, back on 429, April 29, 2019, I estimated ARV of 290K. I'm making notes over here. Okay. Next, I wrote, has a nice fenced-in backyard with a patio, an unfinished basement. It's currently a 3-2, about 1,700 square foot. I copied in the Zillow link. The Zestimate on this was 242000 And the AVM, which is basically another way of estimating values via the MLS, was two ninety one. So we were going off of our ARV, not on the Zestimate, but off of the comps and the AVM that we actually were seeing in the neighborhood. So another reason why Zestimates should not be trusted. They're great on the fly, but that's not the number that you want to work with. Okay, So we figured at this point in time, the ARV was 290. So then in my notes, I have an equation, 290 times 0.75. That's my discount rate, equals 187K. And I offered him 180K. Now, I didn't take out my repairs or a wholesale fee, and I even went up to 75%. Because he had other offers at 150 and 165 already. This is the notes that I'm reading verbatim. And they must of not had the ARV as high as me. The rent estimate is about 1680 bucks a month, which is a great amount of rent. It also has an oversized garage. Not only is it taller than normal, but it's wider than normal. Bob, the seller, was a contractor of some sort that always had ladders on the top of his truck. And he didn't want to park in the driveway and or take the ladders off every time he came home. So when he built the house, he built it tall enough to fit it in the garage with the ladders on and long enough on one area of the garage to where he didn't need to leave the door open. So it was a good benefit and bonus for anybody else that's looking to have a house. He's got a big garage. That's basically what, how I looked at it. You dump all those lawnmowers. That's and right. you got an oversized garage, right? So regarding your offer, though, Dave, so... You, you kind of skimmed over why you went a little bit higher. You said you did it because he already had some of those offers. But we also, uh, instead of using 0.75, and this isn't noted in there, I'm just guessing what our conversations were about this, is if you use 0.8, because this is a great area. So this is yeah, a really this, nice... is an, this is an area where we would typically go to 0.8. Yeah, this is not a Nicest slum... school district in St. Louis, basically. Yeah, it's not a slummy area. It's a top-rated school district. It's a very good area. People want to live there. Uh, homeowners want to live there as well as tenants. Again, David mentioned the rental rate. So if you go to 0.8, if you take the 290 as that ARV that we had used before, and you take it to 0.8, that puts you at closer to about 100. I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, about a hundred uh, or two hundred and thirty-two thousand, I believe. Uh, then, if you take off forty thousand in repairs, you're at one hundred ninety-two thousand. So that still gave us 
ten to twelve thousand dollars in spread over what the offer was. Yeah, and the offer that we made was to was, buy it as a rental, I believe. Was it? Yeah, it was, and that's why I didn't. I went to seventy five percent and didn't take the repairs off versus going to eighty percent, pulling the repairs off. In this scenario, it was very similar. I probably did it both ways, but I didn't take the notes. Right. You know, yeah, that's so one we, thing that's hard to tell because it's a year ago in mm-hmm. the notes. I, I, I'm almost confident I looked at all the scenarios. But in this one, I'm like, hey, a rental, this works. Let's offer 180. It's, you know, in line with the other offers, which I said he had at 150 and 165 already, which would sound more like a wholesaleable offer. But, Mike, you had a really good point. We weren't looking to wholesale this deal. We were looking to buy it at a discount, which really means that we didn't have to add in that wholesale fee which really ends up meaning that we can pay more for it. Yeah. I mean, even That's at it. even at point eight, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't calculate the fee in there. So at point eight, uh, we well, there still would have been a small margin for wholesale of 10 to 12, like I said, if that was our, our offer at 180. So again, it was a solid offer. Uh, it was the best offer Bob got. And, uh, yeah, that's what we did. Yep, so. and one of our competitors, which I'm not going to name because I really like these guys, and I'm not saying anything negative about them, but they offered like 110 or 120 on this exact same property, and we came in and offered a little bit more fare. If they would have got that, that would have been a home run for them. But we ended up winning it because we were willing to pay the most, but it still worked. And that's all I'm going to say on that topic, but just some little additional information. Kind of funny. All right, so moving on. I offered 180. This is back on 429. He had uh, other offers I talked about. I talked about the garage. I said I'm going to send him the offer uh, both in the in the mail and via email, and I'm going to see what happens. Okay. Then I made a note. I added my photos to uh, our CRM, and I said offer sent. That was also on the 29th. So then on May 6th, so now we're on 5-6, Bob called and asked, what's up with the offer? And I told him that I sent it via snail mail as well as via email. He did not seem to know where it was. He hadn't received it. I told him that I can just deliver him one in person later this week. So... On the 7th, the very next day, 5-7, I drove an offer to Bob. Physically took it to his house. Okay. Next, on May 18th, about 11 days later, Bill and I met out at his house. Bill's my partner, Mike and I's partner. And we reviewed the contract for 180 Bill was going to try to get him down a little bit, but we had discussed in our meeting that there wasn't much room, but we, we, we tried. And then we got a note on May 20th that we dis- discussed via text prior to appointment. Rehab, about 30K. ARV, 270 to 290, but we were kind of leaning towards the 290. And it looks like we emailed him another offer, again, on 520. Bob is old. He didn't get the first two. The one that I delivered to him, I think he lost it or misplaced it. He's an old guy. And then we emailed it again to him on the 20th of May. 
On the 22nd, he signed it and got it back to us. I don't have notes how, but I would imagine he probably signed it on the 20th and put it in the mail, and it arrived at our office on the 22nd, two days later. My best guess here, guys. So we had this property under contract May 22nd, 19, 2019, for 180 grand. You know what's funny, too, is back then, like, we knew it was a deal, but we were paying more than everybody else. And I was like, it's going to be a little tight. You know, like, I'll, you always feel that way yeah. on the buy side. Like, again, you know you're buying good deals. We know we're buying good deals, but it's always, uh, you know, there, there, it's risk. There's always some risk in it, and you just don't know. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's pretty uh, – I just remember feel that feeling back on this one. Like, Absolutely, I mean, we're, paying, we're paying a little bit higher than everybody else was. Like you said, one of our competitors had offered one ten. Like, are we comping this right? Are we doing this right? And uh, yeah, so those things things change. So then, Dave, I think the we got it under contract, right? Yeah, the, on, on so five twenty two, basically we had received. We pushed it to the closings, and we had a contract signed. Yeah, so let's, to keep this story moving along, so we got it under contract now, and then we we push it over to our closing workspace, which is a little bit different in our CRM. Uh, so now we're in the closing process. So we send the contract, our purchase contract, over to title. And, Dave, what happens next? Because this is where the story gets more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, this is going to kind of be a long episode, but that's all well, right. Well, that's why I was trying to move it along. Yeah, no, I'm We don't with need you. to read every note. Okay. We don't need to read every note. I like it. Yeah, all right. A we'll lot sum of it up here. We'll sum it up. There's a CRM. lot of them, though, but this is really what's good. So then yeah. I called Bob, left him a voicemail, trying to get a good time to discuss the closing procedures. And he mentioned that he might need a couple weeks. So I said, okay, no problem. And I set up a follow-up. So I just want to keep track of these dates, though, because I think it's important to see how much follow-up went into this. Sure. So I do want to do that. Then Megan on our team on the 29th, that was on 523, so now on 529, Megan called, um, spoke to Bob, talked about the closing and filled him in. All was good. Then on June 3rd, I made a note that said I hadn't spoke to Bob in a little bit, and I'm going to reach out today via phone or email. And I wasn't able to get a hold of him, so I left him a, uh, a voicemail and I sent him an email on June 3rd. Now, we're under the impression that the property's under contract, but we're under the impression that Bob needs a couple weeks to get his affairs in order. So we said, no problem, Bob. We'll happily do that for you. Then again on June 19th, 619, I uh, spoke to Bob again. He was at the lake this time, and he wanted me to call him back. Now, if you remember back to Dave's comment number one, First time he talked to him, wasn't that one of uh, Bob's goals? He said, I wanted to go to the lake. That was his goal. So yeah, now that he had a property very... under contract to sell, Bob was excited because yeah. he wanted to go find that lake condo retire retirement life with that condo at the lake, and he wanted to yeah, go there. So he went cool. there. Very so cool. I called him, and he was there. Okay? So now, um, let's see here. Then on the 21st, so two more days later, 621, Bob called. He wants to close on 7-2. He found a place at the lake, and he wants to close in that place on 7-3, and he needs a week to move out after that. So he basically said, hey, I can give you guys a close date, which we hadn't really had prior or up until this time. But he asked us if he could stay for one week after we closed because he needed the funds from this closing to pay for the new place, and then he needed to make a couple trips back and forth. I told Bob, no problem, you can have a week because when I sat with Bob and talked to Bob several times, 
He had no intentions of staying there. I had zero risk of Bob staying there and squatting. His goal was to move to the lake so he could go fishing every day. And that's it. That was the goal. That was the motivation. Uh, not to let the neighbors know. That was part of it. But the goal was to move to the lake and not have or and go fishing. That's it. That's the goal. So next we go... Um, and we have, let's see here, we have, let's see, sent you possession of closing. Okay, and then on June 25th, so 625, um, I spoke to the title company. And there's title issues that erupted. So this is when the story makes a, a big twist. There's title issues. There's something to do with a bankruptcy that Bob had filed years and years back that was kind of clouding the title. And he was going to go talk to his attorney about that. That was on the 25th of June. So then on July 9th, Megan called Bob and spoke to him. And he said he was going in on Thursday with his daughters to sign with an attorney to get this wrapped up so we could purchase. The, the title was clouded. We couldn't even buy it. So that was on July 9th. So we went from the 25th to the 9th, so 7-9, okay? So then Megan talked to him again that same day, another note. Okay, so then on July 22nd, now we're up to 7-22, spoke with Bob and also the title company. According to the title company, this file is still open. Whatever he did with, with, with his lawyer didn't work, and we still can't buy it. And I have notes saying, Bob calls me almost every day. Let's try to get this done. That was on the 22nd. Then we moved to August 1st, 8-1. Now, I'm going to take a, just a quick break and count to see how many communications I've had with Bob or my company or us have had with Bob to date. And we haven't even, we're not even halfway there probably. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 different communications so far. Okay, so now we move along. We're going to August 5th now, 8-5. And Bob has been blowing me up all weekend about the offer or about the title company. And he claims that the lawyer should have done it and it should be ready to go. And I need to make some calls and figure out what's going on. And that was on the 5th. Then on the 7th, it looks like we made some calls to the title company and the attorneys. And it looks like the title commitment came back. Uh, but again, it still wasn't ready to go, but it was getting close. That was on the 7th, so 8-7. Next, we have um, a note on the 20th, 8-20, saying, trying to work on these title issues. This is on the top of our list for this week. Then on the 4th, 8, nope, this goes all the way now to... Now, this next one goes all the way to October 4th. So we went from 8-20 to 10-4 without talking to Bob. However, we were communicating with our title company every couple days in between that time, saying, hey, is this done yet? Is this done yet? We basically were put on standstill because we were waiting on whatever he was working out with this attorney to clear the title from this bankruptcy years and years ago was filed, processed, and approved, Right? 
They had filed paperwork, but it wasn't approved. So we were waiting for it to be approved. Okay, moving on. We're almost done here, guys. Then on January 2nd, finally, now we started this process on March 4th, by the way. I'm sorry, April 4th, by the way. Now we're on January 2nd, mm-hmm. and we got news back from the underwriters saying, hey, we think we can get this closed. That was one, two. Then January 7th, we have a note in the system, still haven't closed. What's going on? Follow up a title company. Then January 27th, one, two, seven. Megan sent me an amendment, and we're going to be good to go. And then we finally closed February 21st, almost a whole month later from the title company said we could do this. 2-21. So we're talking about 10 months from the time that we talked to this guy originally and the lead came in from an AdWords campaign to when we closed on it. Okay, so what happened? 10 months. What happened, though, with the title work? 13. That's 24 communications with the seller and our company. That we have documented. Documented. As say- I'm saying, all the in-betweens of us calling title companies and lawyers isn't documented. Well, and there's also many conversations with Bob that you didn't yeah. reach out to Bob. like Calling my cell phone, so on and so forth. So, yeah, over 20, 24, I think, to the point to where we actually bought it. Now... You had a question though. What was the no, problem? So what was the problem though, Dave? Because this, yep. we also there was a reason why we didn't close it and why the other people didn't close it. There was some cloud on title. There was that we were waiting yep. to have cleared up, and we so waited here, the whole time. Yep. So here's what happened. So it started with a bankruptcy, Mike, and it wasn't ever closed completely. So we had to get that closed. But then what had happened is in the meantime. Um, or I should say before we had even been out to meet Bob, he had a bunch of other people come out. And instead of Bob saying highest and best, let me uh, think about this, anybody that sent him an o- or that brought an offer to him, he signed it. But he didn't understand that if you sign an offer with somebody else and then somebody else comes in with a higher offer that you can't just sign that other offer, and go do business with them. You are locked in with that first person still. So in an effort to get them to release their contract with Bob, instead of just calling them and asking them, well, we actually did do that, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. He went to his attorney. While they were still dealing with with the bankruptcy stuff, Mike, and said, hey, if I don't own the property anymore, they can't force me to sell it. So he quit claimed the property to his daughter and his niece. Okay. So here's where it gets a little tricky. On February 21st, the paperwork for the bankruptcy was approved and cleared. Title on that day and time that we closed was not clouded. It was good. Mm Mm-hmm. So, again, so we waited this whole time. This whole time. Because we're very uh, transparent with our sellers, too. We want a clear title. Like, we need, that's why we go through title companies so that we can resell these properties. It's very important to us. We get title insurance on it. 
So we waited, like Dave said, and we got clean. And we waited. And we got clean. And we waited. And we waited. <laughs> and we made Bob wait, too. He couldn't sell it. Yeah, Bob just wanted to go fishing. I felt exactly. so bad for Bob. That's what Dina just said on uh, on Facebook here. She mm-hmm. just said, poor old guy just wanted to go he just fishing. He just wanted to go fucking fishing. Exactly. That's it. That's all he wanted to do. So we get it. We finally get clear. We just solved problem after problem after problem. And that's why we got a $60,000 paycheck, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go on, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, catch yeah. Up. So, no, keep going. So and so that's happened. So it closes. Okay. Uh, then now I want to back up real quick though. So Bob had this attorney doing two things: one, getting the getting the um, current title issue fixed, which was a bankruptcy issue, but he was also on the on the side. He didn't tell me this, but he was also like quit claiming the property to his daughters, so that way they could sell it to me because he had signed all these other contracts around town. And he didn't know, and he kind of looked like an idiot, but he didn't know any better. So, the title was clear. We closed on it. So then but when read- he but when he did these quit claims, he well, let's not get into that. He had them. Well, just hear me out though. It's very important though. He he had them signed, but they weren't recorded. So what ended up happening is is they get recorded after we closed. So we closed with clean title. But then three weeks later, it's no longer clean because these quit claims got recorded. Well, I wanted to tell the story differently. Okay, so go my, ahead. My tell, point, them, tell them differently. My yeah. point was we've got clean title. We rehab the house. So we've got a loan on the property. And now we spend $60,000 on this house. So we paid one hundred and eighty. We were originally going to – put. well, we pivoted. Let's start there, though. You're absolutely right. We were going to buy it as a rental. We decided, hey, the ARV is probably even a little higher than 290. Instead of putting 30 in it, we can make a good profit by rehabbing it. So our budget for rehab went up. Mm-hmm. It basically doubled, but we were going to do high-end finishes. Right. So then go ahead. So we spent $60,000 rehabbing it, guys. We still think we have clean title because we bought it with a clean title. So now we've got $240,000, $250,000 or so into this property. Ton of money. Yep. Into this property. Yeah, so we didn't we know list, about this. We think this. We're, we're all high-fiving. Hey, this looks great. Bill's like, and you know what? I'm going to push the market. So we list it pretty high. Listed around, what was it, 315? 315. Three, no, 309 is what he listed it at. Oh, they, yeah, they yeah. Paid they paid over asking. So we listed around 309, which is a little high. First day. I thought he was crazy to list it at 309. I was like, man, if the ARV is 290, listed at 299. He said, no, nah, I'm going to push it. He's, first day on the market. First day on the market. He, pushed, he put it at 309, and it sold for over ask. So, again, the market is just crazy. Like, there's just no yeah. inventory. There's no inventory down there. Now, this so, happened maybe six weeks ago. Right. So, about three weeks ago. So, the gap between 227, I'm sorry, 221, mm-hmm. and that would be of 20, mm-hmm. and six weeks ago, let's call that uh, beginning of May, right? 5-1? No, beginning of June. So between two twenty one and six one, we were rehabbing it. All right. So we rehabbed the house. All right. We spent sixty thousand dollars ripping a wall out, redoing the kitchen, redoing two bathrooms, refinishing hardwood, refinishing floors, hardwood floors, painting the entire house, and lots of little knickknack stuff. stuff. Outside, everything that's some plumbing lighting, issues. Yep. Lighting, plumbing, all sorts fixtures of, stuff. of all types. Yep. Um, so we do all that. Then we get it sold. First day on the market, we bring it to title company. We're getting ready to high five again and cash our checks. And that's when we find out that the quit claims weren't recorded. Like well, they weren't recorded prior to our closing. They were recorded just later. 
which clouds our title again. So now we are stuck with a property that we can't sell. Okay. Now the story takes another turn. This is a great case study. We're stuck with the property that we can't sell because it's clouded title. We have loans for both the purchase and the rehab. So at this point, we bought it for 180. We put 60 in it. What's that equal, Mike? 240-ish? 220. 220- something like that. Does 240. We're all into this thing for oh, 240, two, yeah, 240 yeah. grand. It's sold, meaning we have a buyer that's willing to buy it from us, but we can't legally sell it to them. No, we can sell it. We just they can't legally they own can't, it. We can't transfer Yeah, the they title. can't transfer a title. Because of what Bob had done way back when when he was trying to get all this stuff fixed. So he thought he was helping, but he ended up screwing it. Okay. So this is where the story gets kind of sad. Yeah, uh, this part sucks. In a way, it's but, you know, of, this is just part, part, part of life, part of business. So Bob moves to the lake, gets a condo, and he's fishing. And I actually ca- had communication with Bob. A month or a down. month or two after, because he called me to say, David, like you, you know, I really just want to call and say thanks again for helping me with this, and you know, kind of, you know, was just real being real nice. And he said, if you ever want to come down and go fishing with me, I'd love to have you. And I thought that was the sweetest thing. And I, you know, of course, was like, oh, Bob, you know, if I'm ever in the area, I'll look you up. Well, another two or three weeks goes by, and I get a call from the daughter, saying, or no, we I call the daughter because I we, we don't have the garage code. So I'm like, hey, this is kind of random, but like, do I, I've been trying to reach Bob for like a week now, and I can't get a hold of him. You know, maybe you, because she lived with him when we bought it, right? Maybe you remember, like, do you know the garage code? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course, it's like 7714 or whatever it was. And she's like, oh, but by the way, have you not heard? And I go, no, I, I haven't heard. She's like, Bob, uh, ran off the road at the lake, you know, how those roads are really windy, and uh, he didn't make it. He, he he passed away. So I was like, oh, that's so terrible. So not only was it bad that Bob died, because great guy, sweetest old man ever, but we needed Bob to help us fix this clouded title that he had indirectly, on accident, kind yeah. of done and screwed us. So where does that leave us? We have $240,000 in loans, paying interest daily. We have a nice home that we bought at a discount and rehabbed. Listed it, even has a, have a buyer. I don't want to say sold because it didn't sell, but sold on paper. And a buyer is ready to close, but we can't sell it. We need the guy to help us get the, the paperwork fixed, but he passed away. So now we are literally at the mercy of the people that he quit claimed it to, which was the daughter and the niece. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the. I can't go any shorter. Yeah, that's a short version of it. I mean that's the. That's the, the shortest easiest. version. And again, it's way more like complicated and convoluted. So than I know that. we're thirty three minutes in. I'm gonna try to wrap this up, guys. So long story short, title company. We have a policy with them. Whenever we buy any any property or sell, we try to go always go through a title company, so you get an insurance policy. So when this does happen, this is what title insurance is for. If you're not aware. But if this does happen, just scenarios just like this, you have a policy that will cover you against this happening, and you can file a claim on this policy, and they will go to work with their lawyers to to fix it. But the problem with that is, is it takes about six months. You don't have to pay anything. You've already paid for the insurance policy. But that process takes six months, and they do what's called, and maybe longer, it's called quieting the title. 
and they basically reach out to any parties that are that are involved to make sure that they're not, you know, vested at this point. And they basically just, long story short, clean it up so you can sell it again. Well, that was a really shitty option for us because we still have these loans. And our buyer said, if you can't sell it to me in the next one to two weeks, like I maybe give you a little bit more time, I'm walking. Yeah, they want to live. They want to move in the house. It's understandable. Yeah, understandable. Like they're not trying to. Yeah, they they thought they were moving in last week. And now they're now they're like they well can. now they're like well you, wait you told us you could sell it I mean, you sell- listed it for sale we offered to buy it we paid over asking and now you're telling us you can't sell it to I mean, us think about they were from, threatening to sue us think about it from their perspective there's somebody who's moving so they've either sold their house or they've notified their landlord that they're moving yeah, it's out. a three hundred thousand like, dollar house they don't have well I'm talking about where they live before. that too though all they're of it. moving so again they don't have anywhere to stay so they're planning on moving into this house it's a big deal so this stuff is yeah it has real life consequences. So, to wrap this whole thing up, guys, we didn't want to lose our buyer. We didn't want to not get five grand over asking when we pushed that number like 10 or 15 grand already. So, we're like, okay, option one, file a claim, wait six to eight months, and then go try to find a new buyer. Or option two, track down the daughter and the niece who had been quit claimed on the property via recording after we bought it to sign quit claims back to house sold easy properties who had should have owned it. And then the problem would have been solved that day or within a couple days. We wouldn't have to wait six to eight months. So we contact these two women. We had their information from the lawyer and the whole process prior and just said, Hey, this is like kind of screwed up, you know, like, you know, Bob did all this stuff. They were aware that their dad was doing all this stuff too, because they were involved. But what happened was, is they kind of started to resent the fact that we were going to be flipping this property and making a lot of money. They knew the whole time that was our intention. We never wanted to move into it. We were going to rent it out or flip it. They knew that Bob had sold it for 180 because Bob has passed away at this point. So now all of Bob's assets are theirs. They were the recipients of his will. And they also go on Zillow and see that it's listed for sale for 309. So they don't realize that there's 60 grand of repairs. They probably thought there was something of, obviously. But what they see is the two two numbers that are the most far apart and just see that big spread. They see 309 and and then they know that we sold it to them or bought it from 180. They're thinking we're making just tons and tons yeah, of money. One hundred thirty thousand dollars. That's what they think we're well, making. One is the repair cost. Two, the holding cost. Three, then you've got your agent fees on the on oh, the yeah. three hundred nine. That's a so ton. Three hundred twenty five grand. Right. I mean, it's again, there's so much so yeah. many miles to feed. So they're basically thinking that we're making six figures though. That's because they don't they don't know all this. They're, they don't, they don't the do this every day like we do. They don't know yeah. the business, right? So we call them up and just say, hey, you know. So sorry, we'll come to you. We got this paperwork that your father's attorney screwed up. Most incompetent human I've ever met. <laughs> I hope he listens to this podcast, too. He's truly the most incompetent human I've yeah, ever that, met. that attorney. He's a retard, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we called him up and said, hey, you know, do you guys mind helping us out? And they're not really wanting to work with us because they're seeing this huge number. Now they have leverage. So they're thinking... Well, if I don't sign, yeah, these guys are still going to be able to solve this problem, but it's going to take them six to eight months. But if I sign, their problem is solved right away, so I'm going to make them pay me to sign. Well, 
that started out at like a hundred bucks and then it went to like 300 bucks and then we thought we were settled at 500 bucks turns out they would say that and then the next day when we would try to meet them they wouldn't answer the phone and we finally were like listen we are going to lose our buyer give us a number that you need and we will get a cashier's check and send you a picture of it to meet us but we, you can't you got to stop with this back and forth what is it what is it and it ended up being four grand per person. There's two people. We had to pay eight thousand dollars. It is the definition of extortion. They extorted us, but we we didn't really care because we either had option A, six to eight month quiet title, pay all that interest in the meantime, and then go find a new buyer. By that time, it's going to be winter. Terrible option. Right, and we're paying that interest. Terrible option. Cost. Who knows what's going to happen? Terrible option. Yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> Terrible option. Option two. Pay them eight grand, which I think I'm going to still try to file uh, yeah, a claim to try to get that paid back to us. But for eight grand, we were able to get two signatures, quiet title, or I'm sorry, quit claiming it back from, we owned it. But the title was so cloudy that we had to prove it. And that's basically the docs to show the pro- that we proved it to where we could close on it. So we did that. What was that? That was Saturday of last over the weekend, mm-hmm. and we finally sold it today. The date today's date is July seventeenth. If this doesn't come out right away, twenty twenty, we sold it today. Now the net, the gross proceeds from this deal were eighty grand. However, we had about twenty thousand from you know from rehab yeah. that we had put in that we got back. So basically, the the net profit. Was sixty thousand bucks on yep. this deal. That that deal. even includes the eight k that we had to pay back. Yeah, because it was eighty total. I guess we had about twelve grand of overages from rehab and eight k from to go print checks. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm I'll gonna wrap go it up. Ahead and wrap this. We're live, and I'm gonna move the camera if I walk out. Again. No, just leave it right there. You're good. I'm gonna wrap it up. Just give me, give me give me three minutes. That's it. Cool. But uh, we got it done. That's the most important part. And we had to pay them. So we had about eight grand in fees to them. We had uh, about 12 grand in overages. So 80 turned into 60, but that's okay. We still made 60 grand on this deal. So the lessons that I want to talk about on this case study are a couple things. One, I had 24 follow ups recorded in my CRM, touches. I drove to this guy's house with offers. I sent him in the email, I snail mailed him. Even after he got the offer, he lost it. I had to email it again to him. He was signing contracts all over town. I didn't give up. I am very persistent. Make offers. You got you to gotta be persistent. You got to make those Follow offers. Up. Yep. Lesson number two that I would love to talk about just real quick is it all starts with getting a deal. Not, we couldn't have flipped this or rented this without have gotten a deal, so we got a good deal on it. And we were persistent the entire time. But it ended up being one of our better deals. Yeah, Not the one. best by any means, but it was a really good one. I mean, 60 grand is it's a ton of money, guys, 60 grand. And that's after all the fees and commissions and everything else that we ended up pulling in on it. So be persistent. Follow up with your leads Pre-contract or offer, post-offer, the whole way. you got to be consistent with these people. And uh, if you're consistent with them, 
you're going to win the deal every time. And that's really the lesson. So, started on 4-4, ended on 7-17. 5, 6, 7, that's what, 15 months? 15 months. But we made $60,000, guys. That's it. That's the case study. We don't want to keep going too long. I just told you I got to leave. Yeah, you got to go. Sign so off. that's it. We're signing off. But 24 follow-ups in 15 months, we made 60 grand. Thanks, guys. <laughs>